My name is Gary Karch, and I'm the head of the EOT practice at Doyle Clayton. We're a law firm based in London and Reading, and uh, we have a, a very strong EOT advisory practice, probably one of the more experienced in the UK. And I am here with my colleague, Robin Hartley, who will introduce himself. Hello, I am Robin Hartley, and I am a legal director in Doyle Clayton's EOT practice. I've been working with Gary since 2016. Today, we're going to be discussing the pros and cons of selling your business to Employee Ownership Trust, or EOT. Um, I think, to my mind, there are around five main pros to selling your business to an EOT. What do you think, Gary? I think that's right. I, I think when you look at it, and we'll you know, dig into and dive into it, get to these in a little bit more detail during the podcast, but I think the real key to take away overall is that you know, an EOT transaction is a commercial transaction. You know, a lot of people think of selling to employees as selling on favorable terms, taking a discount, you know, getting paid when uh, when you're able. We take a different approach. You know, so I think as we yeah. walk through the the five points, uh, you'll get a good sense of how we like to approach these and why we think the EOT is a, a really attractive option for business owners. Yeah, fair enough. So I think the the, the five on my list are that you can receive a fair value for your business. I think that's one of the most important. Um, the second is receiving your um, the payment for your business tax-free. Three, it's a low-stress transaction. Four, I think there's something about a positive legacy for your employees. I don't know if you agree with that one or... Yeah, I, I do. And I, I think what's probably as important as the legacy is the fact that employee-owned businesses tend to perform better over time. They tend to be more resilient in downturns, which leads yeah. to greater job preservation and creation, which is key in these times. Yeah. And then the, the fifth one was about day-to-day -day control of the business. And the, the vendors can either retain that day-to-day -day control or at the very least, they can carefully plan the transition to a new management team over whatever period I think makes sense for the business. Yeah, that's an important point because what we've seen with a lot of our clients is that you know they aren't 65 or 70 looking to walk away tomorrow from the company. You know, a lot of our clients are in their 40s to mid 50s, and you know they aren't ready to to go do something else at this point, but they want to de-risk, they want to potentially you know, crystallize value, and certainly the, the capital gains tax relief is very attractive to them. And you know, the, the question we get a lot is, can I stay involved? Can I remain as you know, MD or CEO of the company? And the answer is absolutely you can. And in yeah. fact, we, we actually encourage that for clients that are going to be paid out over time. You know, mm -hmm. so you, you want to be in a position where you have oversight and, you know, a modicum of control over how the business operates so you can get paid out. Yep, yep. Fair point. Um, so should we go back into through our list in a bit more detail? So that that first one, um, fair value for your business. Um, so on the, on the ones we worked on, we use principles to value the business that are identical to those on a third party transaction. And to my mind, that means a value based on a multiple of earnings, typically in a four to six times range. Um, but that range depends on the sector in which your business operates and growth prospects. 
I think that's right. And I, I think one thing that's important to take away from a valuation perspective is that, again, this goes back to our commercial approach. We will do an initial feasibility analysis for clients in which we actually will value the company as part of that uh, feasibility analysis. But mm -hmm. for all of our transactions, we actually have clients get an independent third party valuation. You know, so it's not just, you know, I think my company is worth, you know, that valuation provides comfort to the trustees who are making the decision to buy the shares in that, you know, they can rely on something that says the company is worth X, something that's done by an independent third party who has no skin in the game. You know, yeah. they're going to be looking at that and saying, yeah, at, at this price, you're not paying more than fair market value. Uh, you know, we we never want them to come back and say that, you know, you're paying significantly less than fair market value because, you know, that's not in the interest of, of our client. But, you know, that's a real key and, and not a lot of advisors will actually do that. But to us, you know, that's actually a requirement, even though it's not under the law a requirement. Yeah, yeah. It just anchors the whole transaction, doesn't it? It does. It does. And I, I think people have a lot more comfort, you know, when they're asked to serve as a trustee director that they have a basis for their decision rather than just, you know, taking a, a vendor's word for it that my company is worth X because, you know, it, it's, it's you know, basically, you know, a, a part of life that all vendors think their companies for the most part are worth more than an independent party might think they are. So, you know, this, this builds protections in for everybody in the transaction. Yeah. So second on our list was receiving the payment for your business tax-free. And in some ways, this is a, a dead simple one. Um, if you're selling your business for 10 million under normal CGT rules, you would pay somewhere around the, the 2 million mark. Equally, if you were just going to sit on the company and have that amount paid out in dividends over six or seven years, you'd be paying just under 4 million pounds. So in effect, your tax saving is somewhere between around 2 and 4 million. Yep, and, and that's a, a real key factor. And I, I think particularly looking forward, you know, I don't know anyone who thinks that tax rates are going to go down. You know, right. if anything, you know, we've heard, you know, we've heard, you know, rumors that, you know, if there are some uh, moves afoot to potentially raise CGT more in line with income tax, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen with dividend tax rates. But I think when you look at this, you know, it's only going to get worse for a third party sale transaction, whether it's trade sale or private equity, you know, and that sort of ties in a little bit. Everybody talks about, you know, the synergies that come with a trade sale. You know, while that is true uh, in, in many cases, you know, you also have to consider you're going to pay significantly more in taxes. So when you look at the net proceeds, you know, to you, you know, those net proceeds in, in a lot of cases are going to be greater with an EOT transaction than they would be with a third party sale. Roll into that the fact that you look at a commercially structured deal, which means your vendor loans are going to carry market interest rates and the overall proceeds to you selling to an EOT can be significantly more than you might receive in a, a third party sale transaction. So it's, it's going to vary based upon circumstances and, and who your buyer is. But, you know, it, it's certainly something that, you know, I think our view is that everybody should at least take a look at this option and see yeah. what the numbers actually look like. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the nice things about delivering our feasibility studies um, is the the expression on the client's face when they uh, when they see just how much value there is for them. 
That's absolutely right. You know, they they fixate, I think, a lot on just you know the purchase price. But when you roll the overall structure in, when you roll the tax savings in, all of a sudden, you know, it's a different comparison than they might have thought they were making before the uh, the feasibility study. Yeah. Um, so our, our third pro was um, it's a, a low stress transaction. Maybe more than that, it's an enjoyable transaction. I think for a lot of our clients. You know, it is the. Uh, the the big problem with a trade sale or private equity is probably just as bad, if not even worse, since they're looking at uh, purely returns. Uh, you know, is really the confrontational nature of the transaction. You know, in those types of deals, there's a winner and there's a loser. And what's mm -hmm. very common in those types of transactions is someone will make an offer for the business to try to get the opportunity locked up. And they'll do that typically at a, a higher price, you know, with more favorable terms. And then once you've signed up for an exclusivity period, then they tend to start trying to retrade the transaction. And that's never to increase the purchase price. It, yeah. It's always, you know, we found these issues during our due diligence process. Therefore, we need to reduce the purchase price to take that into account. And that doesn't happen with an EOT transaction. You know, everybody mm -hmm. goes into it knowing what the objective is knowing that there's going to be a valuation, you know, which is really, you know, in most cases, the key issue when you have a third party transaction, it's, you know, the battle over how much the business is really worth. And then if it's synergies, who gets what percentage of those synergies uh, in, in terms of purchase price versus discount, that's never going to happen with an EOT transaction. You know, you've got the, the parameters laid out, everybody has agreed with them. The only even small friction point that uh, that I could see with an EOT transaction really just relates to those with companies that are large enough to access third-party financing. You know, mm -hmm. in those cases, you know, the issue isn't really negotiating the general terms of the transaction with the lender, but it's the documentation. You know, it's the mm -hmm. representations and warranties that you might have to make to the lender to entice them to go through the transaction. And that usually comes from their law firm. You know, the, mm -hmm. the banker just wants to get the transaction done. They've liked it, they've run it through their credit approval, it's been approved. And then once they turn it over to their lawyers, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you've you've got people who are trying to negotiate, you know, almost every point in the the transaction as it affects the the financing. So, you know, that's really the only point. We've never had an issue with that ever being a problem that kept a deal from getting done. But you know, there will be more discussion around those issues than there ever would be in a vendor finance transaction. Yeah, and I think it's got a lot easier over the past couple of years as we've sort of built up relationships with quite a few lenders and they've now got quite a lot of transactions under their belt. Um, everyone really knows what they're doing now, um, whereas maybe maybe a few years ago it was still new to new to everyone. I think you're right. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been through some painful processes with people educating lenders on how these work and, you know, how they need to approach these, but they get there. And yeah, uh, yeah. You know, we've, we've got a good uh, a good group of lenders we work with for businesses that are, you know, looking to finance with with a third party debt component. Yeah. So the, the, the fourth one, um, the, the positive legacy, and I think we've been through your comments on um, the, the positive value that creates and job preservation. Um, is there a bit more to say on day to day control and the transition to a new management team? Yeah, there, there really is. And, you know, this is a this is a real key to successful entrepreneurs, I think, because most of them have built their business by being laser focused on what the company is doing and how it's doing it. Mm -hmm. And 
all of a sudden, you know, they're looking at this sale transaction and it is a sale transaction. You know, you're selling to a, a trust and it gets, you know, overseen by, by trustee directors. And, you know, when they look at that, the real question is, am I giving up control of my company? You know, so the answer is technically from a, an ownership perspective, yes. From an operational perspective, which is really the key, uh, yeah, the yeah. answer is absolutely not. You know, we yeah, have had yeah. clients where prior to the transaction, they were the sole member of the trading company board. So at the end of the day, everything stopped with them. And post-completion, they have remained as the sole director of the trading company. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, with multiple vendors, same thing. You've had two people that may have been the, the directors prior to the transaction. They remain in place. You know, and, and the reason for that is, you know, the, the trust and the trustees aren't going to substitute their judgment from a greater distance away from the day-to-day -day operations for the judgment of the business's managers. You know, that remains vested in the executive team. It remains vested in the trading company board because the assumption the trustees have to make even going into the transaction is, you know, we're doing this and we are going to work with a team that knows what they're doing. Otherwise, if they had concerns, they shouldn't do the deal. Uh, so I, I think from that perspective, uh, you, know, you look at it and say, can I still operate the company as I have, have seen fit in the past? The answer is yes. The trust is really there and the trustee directors are really there to make sure that there's nothing untoward that happens with the business. And given the fact that the company has traded successfully prior to the transaction, you know, the chances of that happening are, are slim to none. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. these are successful companies. They've operated successfully. They've done well. They've grown, and that will continue. And that's all the trustee directors are looking for, just to make sure the business continues to operate as it has successfully. And you know, in doing so, they're making sure that it's operated in the best interest of the beneficiaries, which is really what their overall charge is. Yeah, yeah. So those are all the pros. Are there any cons? Yeah, I, I think there are potentially always cons to uh, to any kind of a transaction. You know, it, it's harder to find them with an EOT, I think. Uh, you know, the, the biggest drawback to the EOT structure, and this is for vendor finance transactions, is that, you know, you are going to get paid out over time uh, compared to, you know, a lumpier payment that you would get with third-party debt. So if you're a large yeah. enough company, and you can raise debt. And for most SMEs, you know, you know, you can generally look at raising two times uh, your operating profit or EBITDA uh, yeah. as, as part of a senior debt structure. But the the key there is your size. You know, so for businesses with less than a million to a million and a half pounds of EBITDA, it's really difficult to access the the third party debt market. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, a cash flow loan to an SME is, is tough enough to begin with. But when you have a change of control transaction, you know, that's something that's a little frightening to some lenders. Uh, so, you know, they want to make sure that there's enough resiliency that companies could withstand the loss of uh, a client or of several clients and not affect their ability to repay the debt. So, you know, that I, I think is the, the first drawback that, you know, you're going to get paid over time compared to a much more accelerated payment for your for your sale with a vendor finance transaction or with a, a bank finance transaction or a trade sale or private equity transaction. You know, a yeah, trade yeah. sale or private equity, 
you might get paid 100% up front. Although what, what we have seen is more and more buyers are looking to you know defer a portion of the consideration and pay that out over two or three years post completion. You know, so they're they're hedging their bets a little bit. In a lot of cases, they'll tie that into performance. So you know, we call that an earnout. Uh, so you you do see some of that in those transactions. One of the things that always comes up when you're talking about a third party trade sale is the idea of synergies. And I touched on these earlier. So in synergies, you know, what a buyer might look at is the ability to eliminate duplicate functions within the acquired company. You know, and in doing so, they're able to increase cash flow and profitability. So you will lose those in an EOT transaction. You know, that just won't exist just because there is no true third party trade buyer in a transaction like this. It's a financial transaction. Uh, in most cases, you know, the buyer is not going to be the beneficiary of the majority of those synergistic benefits. You know, or the, the seller, you know, the seller is not, the buyer will be. Uh, so the the buyer is looking at this and saying, you know, I can increase, you know, profitability by 10% post-completion by eliminating, you know, the, the duplicate functions. You know, whether it's related to accounting, whether it's, you know, other parts of the finance structure, whether it's different parts of uh, sales management where you've got a, a strong sales organization in the buyer. Uh, so the question is always, you know, who gets the benefit of those cost reductions and the increased profitability? The buyer is going to always say, we do. The seller is going to say, well, let's negotiate this. So, uh, you know, there is definitely the potential for a higher purchase price with a trade buyer. But again, you've, you've got to sort of, you know, go through this and say, okay, on a net basis. So it, it's not, you know, what I get, it's what I keep. On yeah, a net yeah. basis, you know, are those synergies going to be great enough to offset the significant increase in taxes that you'll pay as part of the transaction. In some yeah, cases, sure. the answer will be yes, but in a lot of cases, the answer will be no when you factor in, you know, the overall transaction, which is the interest on the the vendor loans, you know, which may be a, what we call an equity kicker or a further payment down the road as part of the financing structure to make sure the return is appropriate for the uh, for the vendor financing source. Uh, so it, it's a consideration, something to be, you know, discussed. But I think at the end of the day, you know, the numbers are going to show what makes the most sense. And yeah, I, I think that's that's why that feasibility analysis we discussed earlier is just so important. Yeah, because I guess around 50% of our clients, when they come to us, they've already been out to market with their business and have got a feel for what the market's offering and they may have a couple of offers in the bag. Um, so we know that um people have sort of they're able to make that like with like con comparison and see just what the the financing structure and the uh tax relief offers them and um my feeling is about 90 percent of uh of, of clients with that like for like comparison end up favoring the eot i think that's right i mean you know you you look at sort of what we'll call the conversion rate you know once we've gone through a feasibility analysis with someone uh, you know, and they look at the results of that and they compare that. And, yeah, and that's probably the, the best test of the EOT case is if someone has gone to market, they have a real basis for comparing the two alternatives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can think in the last, you know, six years that we've been doing this together, I can think of maybe one case 
where somebody pursued the trade sale after we had done the feasibility and, and they had been considering both. So, uh, you know, the, the case is strong. And I, I think the other point on that, too, on the synergies is for smaller businesses, it's really difficult to get a trade buyer to pay a, a significant premium for those companies. Because for smaller SMEs, you know, the alternative for a lot of the, the trade buyers is to just create that function or, you know, expand their business to cover what the potential acquisition target does. And, you know, and they have a point at which they say, it's cheaper for us to build rather than buy. And I, I think that's what you're up against with smaller SMEs. You know, you are in a position where you're almost at the mercy of the trade buyer when it comes to, you know, trying to build synergies. And they'll say, take it or leave it in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. You know, this mm-hmm. is our offer. Uh, yeah. because we do have options yeah so i think we've reached the end so just to sum up um the the pros of selling your business to an eot are getting fair value for your business you receive the payment tax-free it's a low stress transaction there's a positive legacy for your employees and uh strong job retention in an eot business and you can retain day-to-day control of the business or carefully plan the transition to a new management team. Anything to add? Any final words of wisdom? Yeah, I, I, I think that pretty much covers it. And I would just encourage anybody who has listened to this podcast to feel free to reach out to us if they would like to you know, discuss the EOT or if they'd be interested in having us do a feasibility analysis for them. You know, we, we don't charge for that. And uh, it really, in our view, is the only way to make an informed decision as to what the right option for you is. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you.